Idleman Unplugged is part of the Edify Podcast Network. I want to see your face Pass me by the crowds of people The priests who sing your praise Hello, my name is Shane Idleman, and I'm the pastor of Westside Christian Fellowship in Leona Valley, California. It is my personal heart and goal for you to see truth through a biblical perspective. I hope that you enjoy this segment of Idleman Unplugged. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this next episode of Idleman Unplugged. If you saw my podcast on when uh, on healing, um, I'm wearing the same thing and I have the same thing on the desk. I'm just wanting to film both of these in the same day, in case you're wondering. Uh, and the topic, this is actually the first, a very first time I'm doing this. I, in the past, have released an audio of an article that I wrote. I've released an audio of an article I wrote, just the audio. But on this one, I just released this article nationally. Probably should hit um, on November 21st or so, 2022. You can also find it at shaneidleman.com, hopefully today. Uh, the title is Five Things That Hinder the Presence of Christ. Five Things That Hinder the Presence of Christ. Now, with that said, I also preached a sermon on this at Ren the Heavens, uh, one of the nights of Ren the Heavens, you can probably just put in that title, Five Things That Hinder the Presence of Christ, and I spoke on it for quite a while, where this will just be a podcast version. I'm going to go through the article, I'm going to add some of my own commentary, and it's going to be the abridged version of the sermon. Um, so I would, I would encourage you to watch the sermon as well, uh, for sure. But anyway, so the title, Five Things That Hinder the Presence of Christ. Most believers understand that God is everywhere, but the Bible is also clear that the power and presence of Christ can fill the heart of the believer who completely surrenders to him. His presence changes everything. So it's no secret why the enemy of our soul wants to hinder his presence and power in our life. So let me just, here's a commentary that's not in the article. Um, God, the presence of Christ is is obviously can be felt anywhere and everywhere, but there is something special that takes place when a believer fully surrenders their life and says, God, I want to know you and the power of the Holy spirit. And I want to um, be, be just filled with your spirit. And as you empty yourself of self, the Holy Spirit of God, the presence of Christ will begin to take center stage in your life. It doesn't mean you're perfect, but it does mean you keep a short account of sin. You deal with that sin, you repent, and you get back on track. And I've noticed that um, that the, the favor of God can rest upon a person's life who is constantly keeping short account of sin. So that's what I mean by the presence of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit in resting upon your life. So here are five things that will hinder the presence of Christ in your life and what you can do to get back on track. So number one, number one, here we go. You ready? The Number one, secret sin hinders the presence of Christ. Hidden sin deeply affects and quenches our relationship with our Savior. When there's no communion with God, when our lives are spent in darkness, we see nothing, we hear nothing, we have no answers, spiritual death sets in. That's from Gene Easley in his book, Fire Upon the Altar. 
And, you know, as a result, most of us can relate to spiritual death, but be encouraged. Repentance opens the door for his presence to be restored. Let me say that again. Repentance opens the door for Christ's presence to be restored in your life again. So this should be very encouraging to the prodigal son, the wayward daughter, those you've been distant from God, you're depressed, you're anxious, you're fearful. Return to him and he will return to you. You acknowledge your drift, you repent of it, and you come back to the loving arms of a Savior. It's very, uh, very important to do this. Uh, and most of us, again, can relate to spiritual death, but repentance will open that door again to fresh communion with the Holy Spirit. Begin by acknowledging and turning from the sin that is pulling you down, and you will find rest for your soul. Acts 3.19 says, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Amen to that. So although the context of this verse is about those laying their sin at the foot of the cross and being born again for the first time, believers can also experience times of refreshing from the Spirit of the Lord. So the context of this verse is someone being born again, and their sin has been lifted, and they they feel just this, this times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. But that can also happen in the life of a believer when they reconnect that that uh, relationship with the Father through repentance and getting rid of the besetting sin. So we have to begin here. Without this, you know, we, it's hard to move forward. Number two, the fullness of the flesh hinders Christ's presence in your life. The fullness of the flesh. What I mean by that is, well, Matthew 6, 24 reminds us that no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll despise the one and be loyal to the other. So it's impossible. Here's the key. It's impossible to be full of the world and full of Christ. We can't be consumed with worldly pursuits as our main focus, as our main priority, and still be consumed with pursuing Christ. One or the other will prevail. We've got to make a decision. It doesn't mean, you know, we don't do podcasts and we don't go to work and we don't have family time. We don't coach our kids baseball. Uh, we don't do things and go and have entertainment and, and have fun or vacation. But it means that Christ and all of that, Christ is the priority. How I live my my life, how you live your life. Uh, he has to be the priority. And so one huge benefit of prayer and fasting is that it empties us in order to be filled. It weakens the flesh in order to be strengthened by the spirit. The presence of Christ is attracted to weakness. I want, I want to make sure you got this. The presence of Christ, you know, and, and you could say the filling of the Holy Spirit. I mean, you're, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, Christ seems near. And so it, it, they go together in the, in the triune nature of God there. But the presence of Christ is attracted to weakness and the practice of moderation strengthens spiritual discipline. This leads to the fullness of the Spirit. In other words, um, fasting or different things, moderation, you know, that second helping that you really didn't need, that caving into caffeine and sugar, that that abundance and caloric intake that is just too much and you're the, or maybe drinking the wrong things, too much of the wrong things and consuming and there's no moderation. You're not controlling the flesh. The flesh is actually over the control of you. And so it, it, that really will stifle the, the fullness of the spirit. Andrew Murray once said, only in a life of moderation and self-denial will there be sufficient heart and strength to pray much. Hmm. Did you get that? 
Only in a life of moderation and self-denial will there be sufficient strength to pray much and more often. Now, I'm not promoting legalism here. I am promoting moderation. The Bible's clear that, that moderation and making no provision for the flesh and bringing the flesh into subjection and crucifying the flesh. And, and so until the day we die, our flesh is our enemy. And so legalism is, Lord, I'm doing all these things. Look how spiritual I am. Oh, I haven't eaten all day. I am so spiritual. Lord, you've got to move on my behalf now, now that I am so spiritual because I do all these things. That's legalism. That's rating your relationship with God by following a bunch of rules and then also rating your spirituality over people based on all the rules you follow. And uh, the Galatians, the church in Galatia did this. And Paul said, who has bewitched you? Who has fooled you? Are you going to finish in the flesh what began in the spirit? Um, so I'm not promoting legalism, but moderation and taming the flesh, taming the desires of the flesh. It's thoroughly biblical. Early church teachings on this were, were crystal clear. Uh, basically, you're disciplining the flesh or the flesh is disciplining you. You're bringing it under subjection or it is controlling you. Uh, it's a fight for moderation. And, uh, I wish I could tell you that I balance this perfectly every day, but, um, it's a struggle. I mean, even this morning, boy, did I want some coffee and donuts, but I had to bring the flesh into submission and have some green tea. Uh, so anyway, and then maybe, maybe I'll lose the battle in the future, but that's, you know, that's our goal is to nope, 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 nope. You're not going to tell me what to do. I'm going to drive right by Panda Express, uh, later today. And that, um, you know, that teriyaki chicken and the beef, whatever they call it, it's going to sound really good. Flesh wants that, you know, I haven't been there. Boy, I don't think I've been there in a year or two. Um, and not saying if you, do that once in a while. I mean, you know what I'm saying here, but if there's a constant feeding of the flesh and, you know, and that's what I think obesity is tied to a lot of and being, you know, weighing too much. I actually weigh more than I should because the flesh has been dominating. So just, you know, just take a look at that. It's a pretty important topic uh, to keep your, because I've noticed the more I s submit to the work of the spirit and bring the flesh into subjection. The more I want to pray, the more powerful my prayer life is L walking in obedience, the fullness of the spirit, the joy of the spirit. It's incredible. So uh, in first Corinthians nine 27, Paul said that he disciplines his body and brings it under subjection, brings it under control so that his work would not be hindered. Uh, and his, and in his Bible commentary, Matthew Henry, I think in the 1600s, very very incredible Bible commentary, solid guy. He said, he actually wrote about in, 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 con, in, uh, comment, 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 commenting, commenting on the scripture. He said the danger and talked about the danger of yielding to fleshly desires and pampering the body and its lusts and its appetites. That's what this is about. See, we're really as Christians, we're not supposed to pamper. You know how women go to a day spa, you know, um, and they want to be pampered, do my toes, do my, whatever, whatever's involved, you know, I'm going to be pampered. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's good. And, and husbands watch your kids one day and let them go relax tip marriage tip right there for free. Um, but to constantly, constantly be pampering the flesh and giving in to what it wants will lead to a very weak life. Spiritually speaking, pastors, if you're constantly 
being pampered and allowing the lust of the flesh to take over, your sermons will be dry and dead. You might be exciting and charismatic, but there'll be no spiritual life to it because you're not, you're not preaching with the fullness of the spirit. And that, that's what happens too with pastors. Maybe I'll pastors unplugged. This would be a good topic for pastors unplugged. Um, is, you know, the fullness of the spirit. And prayer and moderation go hand in hand. So when you step up to that pulpit, I know when I fast for that weekend or fast for the day and I not give in and I I walk up to that pulpit a little hungry, you know, my stomach is is a little hungry and and letting me know there's something there's something to that. There's a, there's a, there's deeper anointing uh, that takes place. And I learned this years ago. I used to speak at men's conferences and I would go and I'd have the bacon and the eggs and I get up to preach and I just want to fall asleep. So I went to one, I said, you know what, I'm not going to eat. And it was hard, you know, but boy, oh boy, oh boy, could I tell a difference because, you know, you're, you're not giving into the lust of the flesh. So commit today to deny something that the flesh is always craving. Try, try to get away off of that sugar, get off of that caffeine, get off of that nicotine, get off that prescription. You know, of course, doctor under doctor, doctor's care, you know, whatever it is, or that, 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 that food, I mean, Man, when my body gets going, sometimes it just wants more, 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 more chicken breast and all these things and, and more dairy and more this and that and, you know, having sugar. And this is, it's just like, I mean, there's a lot of, of physical things that happen too. You know, when you increase sugar intake or caffeine intake, your blood sugar levels are elevated. And now you want more. You're not really hungry, but you have to satisfy this desire of the, the sugar and the brain chemistry here on what's happening with the neurotransmitters and, and desiring this like a drug. And then you want to keep eating. And so there's a lot to, to moderation. Um, so in essence, you're saying I'm so desperate to hear from God and to know him that I'm willing to make this sacrifice. And this leads me to the next point. Number three, a lack of desperation hinders Christ presence in your life. And that is so true. A lack of desperation hinders the filling of the Holy Spirit. When we lack desperation about pursuing God, we are demonstrating that the pursuit is not important enough to make it a priority. Did you catch that? If I'm not desperate, or I'm sorry, I'm not, yeah, there's not a desperation about pursuing God. You know, it's, it's, God sees our heart. It's like, well, you know, if, if you're not too desperate about the situation, I'm not too desperate about this situation. Uh, and when, when Isaiah cried, Oh God, would you rend the heavens? He was desperate. When Ezra cried out to God, you know, on this journey, we're going to go into a season of prayer and fasting. He, he was desperate. Esther was very desperate. If I perish, I perish. I've been called for such a time as this. Uh, when Joel was desperate, he called the sacred assembly. When the disciples were desperate to receive the power of the spirit, they waited in an upper room. So there's, there's something to desperation. Why? Because desperate people do desperate things. God, I'm so desperate for you to move in our perverted schools and school districts that I am willing to fast and pray and make, try to make a difference. Lord, show me, let me speak at some of these, these board meetings. Let me come against the satanic agendas that are trying to infiltrate our schools and the perversion. Lord, I'm so desperate that my kids will will know you. I'm going to go without dinner tonight. I'm going to go instead. I'm going to pray in my room and I'm going to begin to seek you each night, even though I don't see the results I don't see the results. I'm going to get to that in a minute, why it's still so important to, to, to seek the heart of God. You know, the sad reality is that the average Christian gets by with just enough to keep them lukewarm, but not on fire. And that's the difference. That's just a sad reality, especially in America. 
You know, you go to the underground church in, in Syria or Iraq or China. I mean, they're, they're fervent. They're desperate. That's the real deal right there. And in America, yeah, you know, it's what I do. I go to church. I, I, I think I know Jesus and I'll leave it at that. And it's, it's just sad because you will not know the deep work of the Holy Spirit in your life until you get rid of that junk. Number four, a lack of fervency hinders his presence, a lack of fervency. Uh, and let's be clear here. The spiritual battle in which the Christian is engaged is fierce, correct? Satan is intent on destroying the presence of Christ from our lives. There are no vacations from spiritual warfare. This is why the fire of the spirit must be kept burning in your heart. And again, Gene easily wrote that in Fire Upon the Altar, just a little booklet, Fire Upon the Altar, but highly recommend it. Uh, at least what I know about it. I don't, I don't do a lot of back end research on some of these people. Um, and that's why I often say, you know, read or listen at your own risk. I'm not fully endorsing, uh, everything. I'm just sharing my heart. So once God lights the fire of the spirit in our heart, in your heart, we must do our part to keep the fire burning. And that usually happens through effective, fervent prayer. James 5.16, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, to me, there's some conditions there. It doesn't say, you know, uh, the prayer of a man avails. There's a couple things there. The effective, you know, targeted, effective, hitting your mark, Holy Spirit, lead me. And, and you're, 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 versus, oh, Lord, you know, lead, lead Africa to you. Well, why don't you say the the Sudan, this village we're praying for, where we have water wells, Lord, let us hear of testimonies of people being saved, God, and you're, you're effective, Lord. Uh, don't just save my children, Lord, save them soon. I'd like to see them at the altar, Lord, where you begin to work on their heart, even this week, begin to convict them and show them effective, effective, fervent prayer, and then fervency. Uh, you know, we have the fervency there. It's, 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 it's fire. Uh, there's a desire. There's a desperation. And then of a righteous man, a man in right standing, a woman in right standing with God. They know God. They have a relationship with God. They've dealt with besetting sin. They're not walking in blatant sin every day. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So could that be why many prayers that are going up are not being answered? Could that be why many of your prayers are not being answered? Because there's not effective, fervent righteousness in your heart uh, that's pleasing to God. You know, something to consider. William Gurnall or Gurnell, depending on how I pronounce it, was a famous Puritan. I've got his big, big volume set on um, on the armor, the full armor of God. Very, very good. I would encourage you to get the the uh, revised version where the, it's not written in the old English. Much more easier to read. Uh, so he said this, cold praying is no more prayer than a painting of fire is fire. Wow. Just, just absorb that for a minute. Cold praying is no more prayer than a painting of fire is fire. Wow. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but that's profound. How can prayers that do not burden your heart move the heart of God? That's my question to you. How can prayers that do not burden your heart move the heart of God? It's not possible. Without desperation and fervency, prayer is like sitting in front of a picture of a fire. Can you imagine that? So many people do that. So many Christians do that. I've done that. I've been guilty of that. You, you see it, but you don't feel it. 
And it's the same thing. There's a fervency of fire. And if you don't have it, you pray it. I pray it often. God, give me a desire tomorrow morning for fervent prayer. Lord, I need you. Holy Spirit, work in my life. God, convict me. Uh, Lord, fill me. I'm desperate. I've got to hear from you, Lord. I don't feel it, but I want that fire. I want to experience that fire. God, would you help me in this area? Let me wake up on fire for you and expect that and, and, and trust God. And I believe that he will do that. But don't go to bed with a Netflix binge, right? Netflix binges. Oh, let me watch all this garbage at night and hope I wake up in the morning filled with the fire of God. Yeah, it doesn't work that way, folks. You've got to, <laughs> you got to go to bed hungry for God to wake up hungry for God. And then finally, um, uh, oh yeah, that's the one thing I, I wanted to mention. Without desperation and fervency, prayer is like sitting in, in front of a picture of a fire. You see it, but you don't feel it. But here's the key. Hebrews, Hebrews 11, 6. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And diligence, hello, takes work. That's really the key. Diligence. This word, see, look at all these Bible words. Perseverance. That means continuing forward even when I don't feel like it. Uh, he is a rewarder of those who diligently. It's maintaining that forward momentum, even when I don't feel like it. Commitment, staying committed, even when I don't feel like it. So you got to get your feelings out of this equation and really begin seeking the heart of God. And then, which leads to number five, being too busy hinders the presence of Christ. If you're too busy to wait, too preoccupied to pursue God and too wrapped up to worship, your relationship with him will be hindered. He acts for the one who waits for him, Isaiah 64, 4. He acts for the one who waits for him. And waiting, when I wait for God, it can't be rushed. You know, when you cook that chicken in the in the oven, you know, if it's frozen, it, you might have an hour of waiting. You can't just stick it in the microwave. How much more seeking the heart of God must we wait on him? And waiting is a great way to measure importance. Waiting is a great way to measure importance. For example, I'm in the podcast studio today. What about if I got a call and said, Hey, um, Franklin Graham is in town and uh, he'd like to meet you, you know, there at the studio. I uh, don't know what time he's getting into Los Angeles LAX airport. Uh, you know, you still got an hour drive there, but you know, it's, it's going to definitely make it today. Uh, I might go grab lunch and camp out here for the day. Correct? Why? Because waiting, waiting, it's important to me to be here. It's important for me to meet him, talk with him. I'm going to wait. It's important. And, and when we wait for things, that means they are important to us. Jesus often waited to hear from the Father and went to places of solitude. How much more? Now, waiting on God doesn't mean just sitting around twiddling your thumbs. It means serving God, serving others, being broken, humble before him, obeying his word, looking to his word. And Lord, I don't feel anything. I don't see anything, but I'm going to keep pressing in. I'm going to keep pursuing you every day. And that's waiting. Yes, it's difficult, but you can rest in the fact that God is in control. So many people forget about sovereignty. God is sovereignly in control. That's why I like what Andrew Murray says. He offers a great perspective. He says this, this will help some of you. Once faith, let's say you're praying for something, you're waiting on something. Once your faith takes its stand on God's word. So once you say, okay, according to God's word, God has showed me here, man, I have faith about this situation. I'm standing on God's word. And in the name of Jesus, what God has done in my heart, and I'm yielding now to the leading of the spirit. I'm leading to the leading of the spirit. I'm going to seek only God's will. 
and I'm going to honor him and I'm going to take it to prayer and I'm going to wait on God. You need not be discouraged by delay. You don't need to be discouraged by delay. Just because God is delaying something doesn't necessarily mean that he is denying it. Now, I've heard some, you know, motivational speakers, they'll say, delay is not deny. Delay is not deny. God's going to move. Now, maybe not. If you're in sin, if your prayer doesn't line up with his will, uh, if God has other plans, you know, that, that delay uh, might mean that God is denying it. So there's a lot that you want to take it to the Lord and seek him and trust in him and everything I just talked about. Don't just, don't just quote cute little things and, and, and rest on that. You have to rest on God's word. What is he doing in your life? Um, actually a delay can be a deny God saying, Nope, this isn't happening. Nope. You're not ready. You're not mature enough. Um, but I guess in that case it would be, he's not denying it long-term. So there are, there are times when God will delay things, uh, but also deny them, completely deny them. I remember, um, I prayed and I felt God's leading big time. I actually went and, uh, tried out, uh, to become a Los Angeles County Sheriff. And this is actually this week, we're lifting up those cadets who were hit by a vehicle here, not too far from me, probably an hour, 20 minutes far from me. And that's where I went to the training too. Uh, man, God's doing this. Here's what I'm doing. I'm telling everybody, you know, and I get through the, you know, I was, probably how old was I 29 you know and 29 62 I was probably 230 pounds and and really really good shape could could run could lift and and uh you know like they wanted me in here and and okay last thing Shane we got everything done we just need a polygraph and we'll be done and I'm like okay well that didn't go well you know they asked back then it was it was definitely stricter uh you know have you have you smoked this or done this four times more than four times or less than four times. And I was like, oh, and I really did not. I'm thinking, because if you say more than four times, you can't be a sheriff. I mean, it was cut and dry. If it's less, you know, you can, you can slide in there. So, um, yeah, I, I think under four times. Uh, sorry, sir. You're no longer going to be a sheriff. So that was over. God denied it. Looking back, uh, I'm, I'm glad he did. I mean, cause I like pastoring and I love, I love law enforcement too. Um, you know, I think it, it's, and I'm in Los Angeles County and, um, people just this last week, how can you live in California? How can you live in Los Angeles County? Well, I'm wherever God, I'm happy. I am so full of joy. I mean, more than my friends in Idaho and Texas and Tennessee and Florida, they're, they're grumbling, complaining all the time. And, uh, I'm full of joy because I want to be right where God has me and wherever you're at in the 50 states, you know, if you're right where God wants you, there's tremendous joy. So that was a rabbit trail. Didn't mean for that to happen. Let's get on this closing point. Feelings, feelings cannot be trusted. Let me say that again. Feelings cannot be trusted. We must come to the point where we say, Jesus, you are a priority and I'm only going to pursue you regardless of how I feel. Amen. Let me tell you, there are times this morning was different. Thank God. I felt incredible. Got a good sleep. Woke up at 345 in the morning, just ready to seek God. But there are other times you look at your phone, you get those text messages. I tell people now, don't text me at night. I don't want to wake up in the morning and, and be hit with negativity. Um, and so there's, it, it's difficult. Sometimes, I mean, we just had rend the heavens. Some days were incredible. Some nights were incredible. Some were difficult. You know, I didn't really feel like going until I got there and worshiping and, 
And it was real. Every night, I'm glad I made it for sure. And you should check that out. I don't know when you're listening to this. Ren the Heavens. You can find it on my YouTube channel or the church YouTube channel. Ren the Heavens uh, began October 31st, 2022. And we had church every night through November 5th. And also it ended November 6th, 2022 with the Sunday morning service. It was, it was incredible. And I preached actually this service or this message. What you're hearing right now was a sermon, five things that hinder the presence of Christ. Uh, I got a little more, bit more worked up obviously than I do reading something, but, uh, so let's, let's finish with this point. Uh, pursuing his presence doesn't always mean filling his presence. Okay. Pursuing and filling are, 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 are often not working together. I have to pursue regardless of how I feel. So are you standing on God's word with a humble, broken, repentant heart? Are you willing to yield to the direction of the spirit? Are you actively engaged in dealing with the things that hinder God's presence in your life? If so, then don't be discouraged, folks. Don't be discouraged by feelings. When things get tough, rest in God's sovereignty. He is our stability in unstable times. And I need to say that again. I need to end with that again. God's sovereignty is my sanity. You plus God is a majority. He is our stability in these difficult, unstable times. So until the next episode of Idleman Unplugged, I hope that was beneficial and helpful for many of you. As always, share this with your friends, family, subscribe to it, and follow us on different platforms um, as we as we begin to get this message out. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this episode of Idleman Unplugged, be sure to send us your ideas and topics for future episodes of the podcast. You can send us an email at westsidechristianfellowship.org or shaneidleman.com. Again, my name is Luke Duncan, and I am your host of Idleman Unplugged. Thank you for listening to us today, and join us again on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Idleman Unplugged. For more information, visit us at shaneidleman.com. Again, that's shaneidleman.com. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. El Paseo Publications proudly supports the Westside Christian Fellowship Radio Network. We are committed to quality in Christian publication. Free ebooks can be found at westsidechristianfellowship.org under free ebooks. Books such as What Works for Men and What Works for Young Adults will help readers understand that the obstacles ahead are never greater than God's power to take you through. Books such as What Works When Diets Don't and Feasting and Fasting demonstrate how health can be achieved from a biblical perspective. Other free books such as Answers for a Confused Church and Desperate for More of God show the importance of fully surrendering our lives to Christ. And One Nation Above God is a must-read for anyone concerned about the direction of America. Again, free downloads of these ebooks are available at westsidechristianfellowship.org. We are happy about partnering with the Westside Christian Fellowship Radio Network.